welcome to the Punk Racket Show, episode 85. My name is Emily Plamondon, I live in Quebec City in Canada, and I have the pleasure to be your host. This week, oh, I had a great conversation with Rami and John of the band Cigar. They're back with such a great album called The Visitor, so we talked about it and about many other things. Also, I'm reviewing three albums from Sick Waiting, No Effects, and White Long. It's gonna be a very fun episode, so I hope you're ready, because I am. Oh yeah, the show is starting now. Hello, punk rock friends. I hope you are doing great today. I'm doing good. For me right now, it's Saturday night. I'm enjoying a little happy hour and I just ordered a ton of Indian food. So I think it's going to arrive by the time I'm done with the recording. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. And after dinner, I might go to an acoustic punk show at one of my favorite venues here in Quebec City. The band is called The Matchup. They're from Saint-Thérèse, close to Montreal. They are amazing. It's a duet. They are playing acoustic punk rock. Their harmonies are just insane. So I'm excited about this, but I'm not sure I will go because I still have a lot of work to do for the podcast and also the weekly playlist. And speaking of the weekly playlist, I don't know if you know, but if you want, you can join me every Sunday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. East because I'm doing some Instagram and Facebook lives. And it's super fun because I'm giving you some recommendations, like about eight, and you're making some requests. So basically, we're building a playlist together, and it's really fun. It's one of my favorite moments of the week uh, because, I don't know, it's just so much fun talking with you live. We're talking about music, the last show we've seen, etc. It's a very, it's like if you were in my living room and we're We were listening to some music together. It's so much fun. We're having a drink together. Yeah, great moment. So you're more than welcome in the crowd. So if you want to join me, um, you can check the show notes and you'll have access to uh, the Facebook and my Instagram links. Also, I still have a shitty voice after surviving the influenza flu. But I'm happy because this week I had a music jam with my friend Simon because we have a duet called 50 Shades of Punk Rock and we are playing a show next week. My voice is still not on point totally. Um, I, I'm still coughing a lot and my voice is kind of unstable, but it was super fun at least to try. And I think I'll be fine to play the show next week. I'm very excited to sing some covers of Bad Religion, Millen Colin, and many more. Satanic Surfers, oh yeah. Okay, so on almost every episode, I usually make some repunkmendations. But today, since the, the interview with Rami and John of Cigar is pretty long, and I wanted to make some reviews, I, I decided to skip the repunkmendations. But you'll hear some parts of some songs of the albums I'm reviewing. So you're going to have some music, plus you'll hear two cigar songs. So don't worry, I'm pretty sure your ears will be happy. Plus, next week, it's going to be a whole Repunkmendations episode with a great guest. Just listen to the outro and you'll know who. <laughs> Reviews! 
Okay, so I wanted to make three short reviews because I took the time today to catch up on some great albums. Actually, two great albums and one okay album. <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you about them. And the first one is a band from California called Sick Waiting. The album was released a month ago and I totally forgot to listen to it. So today I saw a random post on Instagram and I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot. <laughs> so I listened to their album, A Fine Hill to Die On. It's a fantastic album, very melodic. I love the song's intros. I love the fact that they are playing with different tempos. And the slower songs remind me a lot of Bayside, Red City Radio, and even some Biffy Claro at some point. Um, they have also faster songs, skate punk songs, but no matter the speed of the songs, the vocals are just so powerful. The harmonies are insanely good. My favorite song on the album is Socio-Psycholinguistic. When they do the do It's orgasmic, but I love all the album and I strongly recommend it to you. Also today I took the time to listen to the new NoFX album, double album. Um, okay, so I... Okay, I know that a lot of people hate it. Like, I asked you for your feedback and your opinion about it. And I had like very different answers, but I think most people told me that they don't like it at all. And I went to read some comments on other platforms and oof, that's sad. Because personally, okay, it's not their most powerful album for sure. Um, it's not an album that will, I don't know, make a mark in my heart and in my head forever. But I don't necessarily agree with all the bad comments I've read. Um, actually, they have a lot of great songs on this album. I don't agree either with the comments saying that the album is phenomenal and insanely good. So I, I, for me, it's, it's a good album. It's okay. Um, I really like the song Fuck Day 6. And I think the three first songs on the album are good too, so it's a good opener. I feel Fat Mike's vulnerability in his vocals and lyrics. It's some song got me emotional for real. And I know I'm PMS right now, but it's it has nothing to do about it. <laughs> so okay, it's not in my top eight of my favorite NoFX album, but it's totally not a disaster and I think people are a little hard <laughs> in their comments and if you want to know more about the album I read an article today it's on guitar.com written by Matt Mills and Fat Mike is saying that okay it's not their best but he loved the challenge of making a double album he says that his bass lines are the best he ever made and actually they are great for real All the songs were recorded six years ago, so it has nothing to do with pandemic. Um, even if they will stop touring eventually, like next year or the other one, um, they still have a lot of songs to record, like three other albums. 
Fat Mike is also talking about the end of the tours. Um, he's saying that after 40 years, because he's 55 years old, so it kind of feels like work and he's, he's feeling too loaded to have a good time. And I totally understand that. So yeah, it's a good read. And so if you haven't listened to this album yet, you should. And I would love to hear what you think about it. But for me, there is some good stuff on this album, even if, okay, it's not as powerful as Punk and Drublik or Ribbed or Wolves and Wolves Clothing. But maybe they just don't have the same level of energy anymore and it's fine. Maybe they just stayed authentic to how they feel. So yeah, tell me what you think. I'm excited to know for real. And the last album I wanted to talk to you about, but not the least, is from the band White Long from Vancouver, Canada. They just released their final album, Premonition. And I'm very sad that it's their last one, but honestly... (laughs) It's also a good surprise because I thought the band was dead uh, already (laughs) because they were inactive. The previous album, Paradise, was released in 2016. I saw them played live maybe in 2017 and then I haven't heard anything from them. So for me it was like, oh, they released a new album. I thought they were dead. Oh, it's their final album, so the band is over anyway. So it was like, it was like, nice surprise. Oh, I'm sad. But Premonition is fantastic from A to Z, from the first to the last note. This band is literally hypnotizing me all the time. And you know, sometimes I suggest you to listen to a specific song or a specific album while you're fully focused, like you just have to close your eyes while you're laying down on your couch or your bed. So this is a good example of an album that you should do that when you listen to it. Because a lot of things are happening on this album. I don't know if it's because of their post-punk influences. It's a very unique band. I can't even tell you what kind of genre it is. Punk, um, post-punk, some hardcore vibes too, but also ah, so hypnotizing. You should listen to it, definitely. One of my favorite songs on the album is the third one. It's called Tomorrow. Wow, but if you like this song, you're gonna like the whole album. It's really representative of the whole album. And I really wish they could make a last last tour for this album in Canada and in Quebec City. Hey, punk rock human! If you like merch as much as I do, I strongly repunkment you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, The 
Weasel, Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Sly tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmunchstore.com. Yeah, now it's time to listen to my conversation with John and Rami of the band Cigar. It was super fun, but you'll notice that the beginning, like the first 15 minutes, were a little chaotic <laughs> because I was alone with Rami. We were not sure that John will join us, but he finally did. <laughs> so we were like, oh, is he there? Okay, I'm going to write him a text. Uh, okay, oh, I think he's there. Yeah, he's connecting. Oh, it failed. Oh, he's, he's trying again. <laughs> And I didn't want to do much edit because uh, during the time... Rami and I were, were waiting for John. We talked about very interesting things already. So I let it like this. So you'll see. So we talked about the legendary album Speed is Relative. You'll know who is Mr. Hurtado. We talked about how Fletcher and uh, the guys from 30 Foot Fall discovered them back in the 90s why they uh, they unofficially split in 2006 and why they got back together recently, how did they end up releasing the new album on Fat Records, etc., etc., etc. So, no more waiting. Here's the interview. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Rami. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just surviving a, a big flu, so I'm still coughing, but it's supposed to be fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, coughing last night, too. <laughs> oh, I guess you, I think you had a show last night or the previous no, day? No, it was on uh, Friday and Saturday. We had a show oh, in, okay, okay, okay. Uh, in Southern California. Okay. Is John still coming with us? Are we waiting for him? I think so. I'm going to okay. send him a message real sure. quick. I'm not in a rush, so it's totally fine. Okay. I have a few questions from the listeners, so it's going to be fun. I sent a message to John, so we'll see if he joins us. Sure, let's wait like five minutes or... So where do you live? California? No, I'm in Oregon. I'm in Portland, oh, Oregon. Oh, I thought you were in California. Yeah, hmm. John lives in California. I was just in California this weekend for the shows, but then I came back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, how do you manage uh, being in different states? Like all, all the yeah. shows and... It's, we've been doing it for a long time. So if we're playing shows, then we just fly and meet at the show. And if we haven't played for a long time, then sometimes I'll fly and then we'll practice for two days before we go somewhere. And then other times, like when we were writing the album, I would fly down oh. once a month for like maybe three days, five days, depending on the schedule. And so we would just do a lot of intensive writing for multiple days in a row. Yeah, I think a lot of bands are doing this kind of things when because a lot of bands have members in different states or even countries sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's not as rare as it used to be, just especially with the technology. Exactly. But mm -hmm. there's definitely it makes it hard because of the way we write our songs is like I think a lot of the the kind of definitive sound comes from us being in the same room. Oh, yeah, because a lot of bands 
can like uh, record separately and someone is mixing. But yeah, okay, you got your vibe being together. Oh yeah, I love yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So we'll <laughs> usually <laughs> yeah start with a song idea, mm-hmm. and then once we have the song idea, when we're in the in the same room, then we kind of take parts and we'll just go through them over and over, and sometimes try different things and. Maybe sometimes there's an accident where it's like, oh, I, I didn't even mean to do this, but what if we take that and try to change it? So it, it's kind of a cool way of doing it. Yeah. So you you just played a bunch of shows in California. Um, it looked so much fun. I saw some videos of it. Uh, was it like first shows in a long time or? Um. Yeah, it actually had been a while because we we did our European tour and then John plays in another band mm-hmm. and then the our bass player also was in another project. So they weren't available for a couple months and mm-hmm. so we hadn't played together in since late June, I think. Oh. And so it's in in some ways it's like it's nice to just get back in the, the the groove of things but it's also we actually we rented a, a place to practice in los angeles for three hours just to get a chance to practice and you can feel where things kind of lock yeah. in a little bit better so it uh, was it was nice just to get that three hours of practice before the show started nice i saw that fletcher was at a show <laughs> Yeah, that was at the Torrance show. He he came and caused a little bit of trouble. And no there's no that's, there's <laughs> supposed to be no pit, but he started the pit in the in the venue and things got crazy. There was broken glass and <laughs> and it was yeah, it was pretty nuts. And they they actually shut off the PA for us so we no. we couldn't sing anymore, but then I just turned my volume down <laughs> and I, I started, it was actually at the last song, we were playing Mr. Hurtado, and I just turned the volume down, and I, I started singing, and the crowd started singing along, and then once the, the venue, the, the staff, they, they realized they weren't going to stop the show, then they just turned the PA back on, and we we finished the show. <laughs> wow, I love that. We talked about being, like, young forever. Fletcher is definitely a good example of it. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, afterwards too, he was he was on fire. He was definitely funny. Is it true? Because I, I read stuff, and I don't know if it's true, but is it true that he's the one who discovered you back in the days, like a long time ago? Yeah, uh, basically he he's the he helped us get some recognition. I would say that actually, Thirty Foot Fall is the the one that really did, discovered us because we played a show in a small town where I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon. And 30 Foot Fall was the the band that came through on tour. So we were opening up for them. Mm. And while we were playing our set, one of the members of the band ran out to a payphone. This was before cell phones. So he ran out to a payphone and he called um, Bob from Fearless Records. And he told, said, you got to hear this band. And so after our set was over, they said, you guys got to come play more shows with us. And they just really liked us and said, send a demo tape. And it was, you know, cassette tape back yeah. in the day. And so we made we mailed one off to bob and then bob was hanging out with fletcher and said and showed it to him and said yeah check these guys out and so that it got back to us that fletcher had heard it and we were totally blown away so so yeah by 30 foot fall helping us out then we were exposed to fletcher and then fletcher said let's let's meet up and pennywise was actually coming to oregon to play at a a snowboard contest like a big air contest and the, oh. and pennywise was playing he said just come hang out we'll talk we'll meet up at that 
contest. And so we met him in person and met the whole band and got to hang out with them. For us, it was like, it's crazy. It was so, and they're all such, such like cool dudes. We were totally blown yeah. away. It's like, holy shit, they're like normal, nice dudes. Oh, 30 Foot Fall, it's such an underrated band. Like, uh, not, oh, yeah. a, not a lot of people know them. They know maybe a uh, punk rock in your head, like the, the famous song, but. I don't know. Yeah, those guys are uh, those guys are great. They oh, they John took care there. of us. John is there. Oh, very cool. Nice. So cool. Hi, John. <laughs> He's in the house. Where is he at? Nice picture. <laughs> <laughs> What is this? It's oh, a it's drum a, oh, on his yeah. head. Okay, I, I totally. Yes, it's a drum. Oh, uh oh, we lost. <laughs> okay, no, I believe we'll make it. He's there. I, like... <laughs> I want him. He's he's. I want him to tell a story about Thirty Foot Fall too, just because yeah. it was such a cool experience. Sure. I'll do But some. I was, I, Oh, I was going to say that they, fun. when we, we did a tour a long time ago and um, drove out to Texas and hung out with those guys and they gave us a place to stay and they put on this amazing show at this place. I think it's Fitzgerald's back in the mm -hmm. day. They used to have really like big punk shows at their venue. And it was just, we'd never been out to Texas before. So it was really cool to have someone like that take care of us and put on a really good show so yeah we, we've we've always liked those guys wow and but prior to that how did you meet you and john oh man <laughs> I, I, i wish john was here for that story because it's <laughs> i like i like hearing it from his perspective i'm gonna but, ask him it's gonna be a fun episode with like perspectives it's fine <laughs> yeah so i i was going to see a movie and he was working at the movie theater he was one of the ushers tearing tickets and telling people to which theater to, to go sit sit in and uh so i walked up and i was wearing a good riddance shirt oh. and he saw saw my shirt and i i already had gone walking down towards the theater and he came chasing after me And then he, oh, hold on a second. He's asking for the meeting passcode here. Oh, wait. Gosh. They never ask that. Uh, so it's 958932. Okay. It's amazing. So well, at least he's trying to join. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah, totally. I was. Oh, yeah, he's there. Okay. All right, perfect. John, 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 John. Yeah. <laughs> I did it! Uh, yay! There he is. Oh Hi. my god! Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Good. So we started, but we wanted to know your perspective on, like, we were talking about how you two met together. So, um, and Remy. All, all I told, <laughs> yeah, all I told her so far is I was going to see a movie and I was wearing a, a Good Riddance T-shirt. That's all I got through the story. You know what's funny? I shouldn't even say it, but I never even heard Good Riddance when I saw you wearing that shirt. I just knew they were a fat band. <laughs> and I was trying to play fast, technical stuff. I'm like, oh, he must know what that stuff is. Oh. It wasn't so obvious back then. Yeah, well, so I didn't tell the story, so let's hear it from your perspective. Yeah, I'm excited because I, love, I, I wish I could make a lot of friends when I see people with band shirt, but I always think like I, I'm going to look like creepy just to be like you have a good shirt be my friend i don't know so 
I'm excited about this story. <laughs> I I got the band together. I broke my band up in like '94. We were screaming fast mm. punk rock stuff, and I wanted to play more technical and more melodic. So I moved to Eugene, Oregon, from Grass Valley, California on a mission to start this band. I didn't know that it was going to be called Cigar. <laughs> uh, but and I didn't know Rami was going to be in it. But I found some dudes that wanted to play fast. And all I needed was a singer. And I was an usher at a movie theater. So I might have asked a couple people before you too, Rami. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. <laughs> but I was just like, hey, how's it going? I want to sing for a band. And people were like, what? And, um, and then Rami came in with his girlfriend at the time. And I was like, Point out the movie theater, you know. In my memory, it was like, yeah, it's the last theater down on your right as I'm carrying his ticket. Were we going to go see Titanic or something? <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Lion King. Uh, and I <laughs> tore the ticket. I'm like, uh, here you go. Want to sing for a band? He's like, uh, what? I'm like, do you want to sing for a band? And he's like, uh, can I go see the movie first? <laughs> and um, But then he said he didn't sing. And um, I'm like, but you play? He's like, well, yeah, I play guitar. I don't sing. Like, well, why don't you come over and play music then? And then he was like, you want? can I watch a movie first? I'm like, well, here's my number. Come over after. And he literally came over that night. Hmm. Like, uh, I'm quick. I, I pick up on people and I'm quick. <laughs> and um, we jammed out. And then he came over the second time. You know, it's funny, though. Uh, he was walking around the outside of my house and you Gene and one of my friends I grew up skating with that doesn't care about this fast punk rock stuff. I mean, he liked no effects back in the day when it was like just the ripped album or something. But um, he's like, hey, uh, skinny Mike's out there looking for you because he thought Rami just looked like a fat records guy. <laughs> so he called him skinny Mike. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then uh, I went out. Oh, that's my new friend. And so I went out and pulled him in and we, we played on my, uh, yeah, Rami, you pointed out that it, uh, I didn't have drums set up. It was like a apartment building. So yeah, it, was, it was an apartment and, but the, you had all your friends so you could make all the noise you wanted. No one cared that he was playing drums, but oh, it was, a, wow. it wasn't, wasn't even a full drum kit. It was a, an acoustic guitar case lid that was broken off and he leaned it against the wall and then the kick pedal would hit that to get a little thump out of it. And then he had a hi-hat and a snare, and then he was doing uh, fills on the wall too. And I was, I'd, I'd only played with a drum machine. I just bought a drum machine when I was, shit, I think the drum machine's like, oh, there it is. This is the oh, drum machine. I love that. This is the, You're this is the drum machine oh, wow. that taught me how to play fast punk rock. And I bought this in like 92 or 91 wow. or something. It's so and, uh, great that you So I'd only it. played with a drum machine and then the, the first time I'd ever played with a real drummer that could actually play fast, it was like John. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. And I was like, I told him, I go, are you, so you already have two guitar players? Yeah, we already have two guitar players. I, I play bass. Do you have a bass player? Yeah, we already have a bass player. Jason Torbert, our older bass player, he, he was already in the band. And so mm -hmm. I was like, fuck, I want to play music with this guy. But, and then he's like, well, you can sing. And I was like, oh, I, I don't sing. So then we ended up, we became fast friends and I was, um, planning on buying a guitar amp and it was only available in, in Portland when we were living in Eugene. So we mm -hmm. drove, did a road trip and we were singing and harmonizing to like lag wagon songs, bad religion, uh. no effects. And 
green older green day stuff and like he just stopped the music and he goes you can sing you should try singing for my band and so and there's i didn't want to do it because i was just scared but i also realized like i want to play music with this guy so i'll try it and then they had some songs written like the the music for captain was already written there's some other song ideas and then i just decided i wanted to write something that i was familiar with and comfortable with so I went home and I wrote the song Long Run, just worked it out, worked out the lyrics, worked out the the overall oh. kind of structure for the song and decided to show it to him, brought it over to his house. And he's like, oh, yeah, this this is cool. And then we brought one of the guitar players over to teach it to him. And then us three went and met with the full band and then we showed the full band. And then basically after we played the song, they're like, well, I guess you're the singer. So. <laughs> but I. I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I, I tried because I loved good riddance. So I tried singing like Russ and I like try to make my voice kind of sound <laughs> rough. And I just like I couldn't do it at all. I, we oh would have band practice. Cool. I, I would be just blown out. Yeah, we have an old demo where I, I sang like that. And oh, uh, wow. but I couldn't like if we played a show or if we practiced, I would just like the next day or even two days, my voice would just be wrecked. And so then right sure. before we went to go and record speed is relative. That's where I just like kind of cleaned up my vocals. Cause I was like, this is the only way I can do it without destroying yeah. my voice. So how many times But, I yeah. tried to sing like Brody Dale didn't work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And so, wow, it's been a, so um, back in the days, because Pete is relative had a major impact on a lot of punk rockers. Oh, I have a beer delivery. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Merci. <laughs> nice. Wow, rock star was my delivery. I love that. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing podcast and my boyfriend is bringing me a beer. How great is that? <laughs> That's nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, speed is relative. Uh, the major influence on a lot of punk rockers. But did you realize it at the time? How was the, no. the reception? Was it like years after? I've, Because I just, I remember when we first released it, we decided to move down to San Diego from Eugene. And I remember when I think I went over to your apartment, John, and like actually saw the first CD and like it was real. It was out and finally released. And we were kind of waiting for this you know, response and this build up and to play more shows and all this. And like, it, it kind of seemed like nothing really changed. We were just playing these little bar shows in San Diego and maybe a backyard mm -hmm. party here and there. We played some shows around the LA area, maybe Santa Barbara, just kind of popping in and out of these zones, but didn't really have this momentum that built up. And I Fletcher remember, kept giving us opportunities. Yeah, that's true. That we, we ended up playing with, Pennywise a couple times, so that, oh, yeah. that's true. And but overall, I think we were looking, we were kind of <laughs> expecting a, a stronger response, and so we sort of just kind of like I think our morale kind of faded out. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up moving to the Bay Area, and I remember I don't know if it was six months or eight months, we hadn't even seen each other in the same room, and then we got a uh, a request from somebody in Quebec to come play up there. And we thought, yeah, let's go do it. We haven't, you know, we've been playing in the, in the United States. Let's go check it. That was the first time we'd actually played internationally. And I just remember once we got there and we were, we played the first show, the response from the crowd was so different, so strong and like passionate. Ah. And, and that was like, 
I, we were wanting that in the United States and we got it in Canada and we're like, okay, this is like, this is what we had been hoping for. And the, the crowds are just so, so fun. Quebec, that was a great tour. Quebec loves yeah. you so much. Quebec is huge fan of cigar like i've been because you took a, <coughs> sorry you took a long break but I, i i've been hosting my radio show for 18 years okay so oh shit wow and people never stopped requesting songs on speed is relative so i'm like okay. whoa yeah it's true mm -hmm. wow that's really cool so i'm yeah, not surprised I... that shows were great back in the days here Yeah. yeah, we've we've always loved when like playing with bands like 22 and Awaken, like Vince's band. Like it's so fun having known people like that for yeah. so long and seeing how well they're doing and just like I don't know, it's like Quebec has always just been really great. All great people, great audiences and lo always love coming back. What was that band Runt? We played with them back in the day. Runt? Yeah. Hmm. Don't, yeah, don't remember a little tour with Runt back. In I remember day. that club that we went to. I saw a line out the like kind of going around the block. And I was like, damn, they really like the openers because I really didn't. <laughs> we weren't used to a line for us. I'll check. And it was in Montreal. And it was it was that place called the X or the X. How do you say it? L apostrophe X. I don't know. It don't was that was the spot in like 2002. <laughs> And then remember there was like yeah. a fire alarm that went off, so we had to clear the whole place out right when we started. <laughs> oh yeah. Was Fletcher yeah. there? Fletcher was there probably. <laughs> He wasn't that one. <laughs> Put some trouble in that venue too. <laughs> because oh god, we just hung out with him the other night. That was crazy. Yeah, because Randy yeah, told her about that. Yeah. a knife out with his fucking chain whoosh and all of us were like ah! and he was hitting a glass of it everyone was like hiding behind each other it was like <laughs> a big glass door yeah but business next to the club cops showed up the <laughs> glass break alarm went off you guys know what's going on here oh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> man he's amazing yeah, yeah he's yeah, we it's talk. always always love seeing him but don't necessarily know if we'll survive yeah <laughs> i didn't know that about him i, I need to interview him and I, i'm gonna talk about that for sure <laughs> um yeah <coughs> sorry i'm still coughing from a, a flu so uh some people asked me who is mr hurtado it's like one of your biggest songs so people want to yeah know. So I, I worked back in Eugene when we first started the band. I was a sales assistant. I worked at a computer sales place, and uh, I worked with three guys. It was Tim, Chris, and Robert, and Robert Hurtado. And so oh. they were all, like, kind of, like, they're two of the guys were sort of, like, hotshot sales guys or, like, you know, thought they were. But but Mr. Hurtado or Robert Hurtado, he he actually sold the most, but he was the nicest one to me. He always like buy me lunch, oh. ask me if I needed anything, and he was like super cool. So like 
it was a, it started off as a joke. I came back from lunch and for some reason the the hook, Mr. Hurtado, like was in my head. And I was just joking, I, and I said, "I'm going to write a song that goes, bum, 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 Mister Hurtado." And I, when I sang it out loud and I heard it out loud, I realized, like, "Oh, this could actually be something." So I kept singing it to myself. This is back before you had voice notes on your phone or something like that. So sure. I had to keep singing it to myself in my head. And I went straight home <laughs> after work, and then I found the chords on the guitar. I kept singing it over and over, and like finding where the chords were to match it wow and then so it just started with that chorus it just started off as a joke and then it turned into a real song and basically a song about you know these someone that's like authentic and genuine and you know whether they're successful or not they're still like they treat other people with respect and so it's it, it was like an accidental song that turned out to be something that we've been you know singing for 20 plus years Wow, I love that you had the melody in mind before. <laughs> yeah, like it it has to be that. It's great. Oh uh, yeah, it was definitely a, and it exactly what I sung there in the office is what was on the album. Wow, and how was his reaction when he heard the full recorded song oh, on the album? It. He loved it. Yeah, he he used to come to our shows every once in a while and ah, I would tell people like there's Mr. No Hurtado way, right no there. No way. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's I lost a... touch with him, but I should find him again. He's out there somewhere. Well, write him an email. Mr. Tato, all things go wrong for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. 
I, uh, I remember when you showed up at rehearsal in Eugene and you're like, some motherfucker stole my laundry basket. Who steals a fucking laundry basket? I wrote a song about it. You showed us and we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you have your inspiration and in, in like immediate things that's happening like right now. <laughs> oh, well, I also, stories. I also remember how angry I was that it happened. It's just a laundry basket, but at the yeah. same time, it was like, fuck you. Like, just yeah. go buy one of your... Yeah, sure. It was at an apartment complex, so it was one of my neighbors that stole it. I don't, never found out who, but it, yeah. Needless yeah. to say, hmm. apparently uh, I can take lemons and turn them into lemonade. <laughs> True. <laughs> Except when people steal your lemon. <laughs> That's good. Uh, some people want to know if you're going to print more vinyl of Speedy's Relative. I think I got the last one at the Redbridge Acoustic Show. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it's really funny you say that because that topic came up today. I got an email response. I'm going to read it. I won't read it out loud, though. Yeah, so we're, we're we're wondering if that's a possibility. So the short answer is yes, but we don't know when, okay. we don't know where, we don't know if it'll be on fat or if, but yeah, we, we do want to repress it. Yeah, because the first album wasn't on fat, right? No, it was no. on Theologian. <laughs> and then it was, what is it, about five years ago or six years ago, we, we bought it back from Theologian. So we actually own the rights to it. Oh. And so at this point, We could self-release it, but having the relationship with Fat now, I think we would. It's potential, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know if there if that's something that would happen. But mm. we definitely want to get it back out there. Yeah. So people really. Um, I mean, you're gonna sell it like in like this if you do a, a reprint because everyone wants it. Uh, so tell me because I don't know <laughs> all the question I'm asking. I I don't know about almost, but what happened between. The two albums you stopped playing at in like 2004 or something? It was around 2006 that 2006. we had our, our last show before deciding to take a break. So like And it was never... 10 it was years never... after releasing Speed is Relative? Uh, 10 years after? Uh, it was, I think it was about eight years. Eight years. That, <coughs> so we we played shows and did, did a couple tours mm -hmm. up in Quebec and around the U.S. and whatnot. But um, there was at the time I just remember there was like emo was getting really really big, <laughs> yes. and the the style that we were playing was like fading out. Oh my god! And so I there was oh, yeah. screamo. I remember yeah, that phase because there was, was always so one kid going. <laughs> <laughs> Cut my wrist and over and my over. eyes. Yeah. Oh. Fucking A. True. Sorry, but fuck off. We were playing all these shows with bands like that, and there's less and less people that would come and see us play. And there was there was one show. I think one of our last shows that we played was in San Diego, and there was only like eight people people there or something and then we just thought let's just take a break and see you know what's going on let's wait for was, 20 years yeah, many was, people will like this shit again i almost <laughs> stopped my radio show too in 2007 because i was like I wanna... yeah yeah it just totally faded out so we never planned we never said we're taking a like uh, you know extended hiatus we never said we're breaking mm -hmm. up it was no. just mm -hmm. just took a break and then one year went by and then three years went by and then every once in a while someone would ask us to play a show and then 
Mm -hmm. I'd, you know, send an email and then maybe John was busy and then Jason was like, oh, yeah, I'd be in for it. And then, you know, wouldn't be able to do it. And then maybe a year later, John would say, yeah, I'm available. And then Jason would say, no, I can't do it. So we were kind of like things didn't really line up. But mm -hmm. I, I, I want to give credit to Jay Epinat because mm -hmm. he's the one that got us back together. He got us in uh, 2013 to that he asked us to play. He'd actually been asking us to play even before that, but <laughs> yeah. we, the, everything lined up where he said, there's an offer to come and play in Quebec for the, uh, for this music for cancer yeah, festival. Music for cancer, great festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it just, everything lined up correctly. Everyone was available and we said, yeah, let's do it. And then we went and I, Jay was, he, I've always loved that guy. He's like, takes care of us. And he's Good just dude. such a, yeah. And his family and just, Everyone at Music for Cancer is just, you can feel the passion that they have for this festival. Mm -hmm. Even at the start, even way back in 2013, it was still like the same, you know, dedication yeah. to the cause. And it was like such a good show for us, just the the, the vibe there and then the, everyone taking care of us. So it was like kind of re-sparked it for us. And then we played, I think, Rockfest the year after that. Mm -hmm. And then kind of decided, like, I think we might need to write a new album, but Again, I think we all live these adult lives and oh, sometimes yeah. it's hard to make things happen. So it took a long time for us to really like I, I think I looked back on our our Instagram post and John and I were writing some of the songs that are now on the new album back in 2015. Oh, okay. So it's, then, yeah, okay. So yeah, and we have some we have some other stuff that'll probably come out on a, on a follow-up release, but oh. um but once we once we decided like <clears throat> we want to do this again we had to figure out the logistics because as we were talking earlier, we all live far apart from each other. So trying to write and make sure that we can, you know, get the mm -hmm. the real cigar sound. That all just comes from being in the same room together. Yes, so. because from the fans' perspective, it's like, oh, it's a little brutal. They released this huge album and then nothing else. And then a, a lot of years after, now we have a, a new album. But like, yeah. but you still were working on some shows and writing. And so it wasn't completely yeah. over. Yeah, I think for for us, like I, I always write stuff, but it, not all of it becomes cigar songs. But I, I had just kept kept on writing. And then after a while, I think it was like 2008, 2009 time frame. I kind of just got sick of like music in general, at least just rock music so I, uh -huh. i didn't even play the guitar for like two years oh, and i just mm -hmm. started working on just music production on using ableton live and just kind of learning software synthesizers and drum machines and stuff like that and then sure came back around to sort of like re re fell in love with playing the guitar and and that's mm -hmm. closely after that is when we started we played that reunion show so then it, it For me to step away like that and then come back, I think it renewed my my passion, especially for playing the fast stuff and writing it. And so it's, I feel like, and I actually mentioned this to John. It said like, imagine what what mm -hmm. it would have been like if we never took a break. And John said, oh, we, we the band would have broken up, oh, like we couldn't. Good so point. like taking time away from the band and then coming back, I think really sparked another another phase of just like connecting with what we do. Yeah. What do you think, John? You agree with that? Yeah, I also um, 
I had such a heyday with uh, punk rock in the early 90s. I feel like I'd already lived a lifetime of playing punk shows. I grew up in the Gilman scene in NorCal, you know, seeing Green Day when mm -hmm. they only had like one record out, packing little tiny clubs and, you know, where Operation Ivy came from. And I remember I went to Rancid's first ever show. It was a party in Oakland, like in a really shitty neighborhood and um, <laughs> in a gunpowder and Rancid. And I just feel like I had such a great time. And then uh, mid 90s shows already felt different. It already felt less dangerous and less underground and mm -hmm. less of like a, a scene that would belong to just me and the people that I clicked with. And uh, so it's, by the time Speed is Relative came out, it was like, oh God, more of these fucking shows. <laughs> and you know what else I hate about it? I, I don't know if I'm shooting myself in the throat right now. Rob was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> but I feel like all the jocks that I, the reason I got into punk rock was because that I'm six foot seven. I was like six five in um, high school. <laughs> All the jocks wanted to start shit with me because yeah. I wouldn't play football and ba and uh, basketball. I hated the sports and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And then I found punk rock. I went and saw Youth of Today, uh, the old hardcore band play in like 88 or something. And I was like, holy shit, this is where I belong. Mm -hmm. And um, I found my people, you know, and then I started my band Circus Tents. We played screaming punk rock. We got some skate videos and um, people always point out that our sticker was on uh, Green Day's guitar, you know, Billy Joe's guitar. But it's because we slapped it up there while he was playing. <laughs> Just like reached up and went, boom. <laughs> he looked down and he's like, oh, shit. And then he like smoothed it on and like kind of like just kept playing. But um by the time I met Rami, I was like, I got to do something different. I want it to be more proficient. I want harmonies. I want to like do stuff I haven't done before, you mm -hmm. know? And um, so I don't even feel like the 90s scene was mine in punk rock. I'd already, I was already kind of like, oh, these kids today, <laughs> you know, by like 95. <laughs> People are always like, oh, have you heard this album? You heard that album? All these like contemporary bands. I don't listen to any of them. No, I haven't heard it. The answer is no. I probably haven't heard it. Uh, I was really impressed with the refuse when they came out of nowhere with that. Um, oh yeah, the shape, the of, shape of to come. I was like, yeah. okay, now this feels innovative and different, and a whole lot of other stuff I've been inspired by. But I, I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, about us taking a break. Yeah, we were all just trying to do different things, and um, yeah, you have a you have yeah. other projects, the shins, yeah. and yeah. I was really into the shins too. Uh, so was Jason Torbert from Cigar, the OG bass player. Mm -hmm. um, we were really into it. We would kind of like cleanse the palate between punk shows on tours. I remember driving all the way out to Texas and back and every single band um, was a punk band. And um, <laughs> and then we'd drive from like A to B to C, like every spot, we just like play the shins in between because it was so different. And the guy is such a great writer. And also, I we've said it before, but we found so much of our music um, through skate videos. And yeah, that, there was Shin songs on uh, early skate videos too that we were impressed by, you know? Hmm. So anyway, we got a lot out of our system. Rami's even done other things too, secretly. And um, 
And then uh, well, now when we do cigar, it feels really good because we have other outlets for the other things we want to do. So we don't have to bog cigar down with all of this experimentation. If you want to hear us do something way different, you can find it elsewhere. The cigar is like a certain type of thing that we stay true to, you know? Totally. Yeah, totally. So um, I saw you play an acoustic show for the Red Bridge Festival. It, was it like the first time you, you do that or did you do it after? Because it was so great. Like, there was We also did. Authority Zero, 10 Foot Pole. Yeah. All acoustic. The first, the very first time we did acoustic was, uh, it was at uh, Music for Cancer in 2013. We had never played acoustic before. Mm. And there was, there was some acoustic artists playing just at the, the pre-party the night before the, the actual festival. And then we were just hanging out, having some drinks and whatnot. And then the, someone, I think Jay may have said, hey, can you go up and play acoustic? Like, just play a few songs. And I... I had never played acoustic before, so I was kind of nervous. I was like, I, I don't know if this will work. And mm -hmm. he said, yeah, it's fine. We're just, you know, it's just a, a party. And it was totally fun, good crowd, good energy and everything. And then I got up there. I remember I'd had a few <laughs> drinks. So like, I remember I was a little sloppy playing. <laughs> it's fine. And I think I think I just started with Mr. Hurtado. And then Jason Jason also joined me on, a, on another acoustic, but he was just playing some bass lines. And then John was just tapping on the... the <laughs> Because he didn't have a drum set. And, yeah, I don't so remember. He, yeah, you're tapping on the, the Jason's acoustic guitar, just making some beats. And we, I think, oh, we only, yeah. yeah, we only played like three or four songs, but the the crowd totally loved it. And yeah. then, and then after that, we played. I think the only time we play acoustic is when we go up to Canada. Mm -hmm. I think that's the because we did an, another two, uh, music shows. for cancer. I think 2016 maybe, mm -hmm. and then. After we played the after party and then we played acoustic set there mm -hmm. and then at, at Redbridge. I've done a couple acoustic just solo by myself, but as the full band. Yeah, it was fun. We did that in, uh, in I think you were on a cajon or something like on the, at the Musical Cancer in 2016. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think the the acoustic For for us, it's still fun because it feels like the songs still work decently well. Yeah, Just, the melodies like, are even... great, so it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Thank it's you. nice to be able to to just have a different twist on the same song. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so you released a very very great new album, The Visitor. So no more waiting for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Was the recording writing different after all those years? Because it's okay, maybe like 15 years between the two process, like you know. So was the the, the process of writing different after like 15 years, or even recording? Or yeah, it was different. I think part of it is just living in different states and having to travel to be together, but. There was also, John brought some ideas, like he, he already had the idea for We Used To, the mm. chorus. And then he showed me that chorus and then we worked together to build out the, the verse parts and then just to put the song together. So that part was different. And then also 
for the first album for Speed is Relative, I wrote all of my own lyrics and mm -hmm. then and just, I did that in private. And then John wrote whatever he sang. He wrote his parts on the album. Oh, for nice. the visitor, we actually worked together to write some of the lyrics like we used to. So we we were talking about certain parts and what felt right, what made sense, what was part of the message of the song. And so collaborating on lyrics, that was the first time I'd done that. And so that was an interesting process. But I also have a, a kind of a, as John would put it, an OCD way of writing the lyrics. And so like there were some parts that I I was like, no, 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 that's not going to work. Because for, for me, when I, I write, it's it's like there's a certain sound and a feeling maybe certain vowel sounds, certain phrasing mm -hmm. and syllables and just the right feeling. <laughs> and so there's times where he would suggest something and I would just go, no, that doesn't, it doesn't have the right feeling. And not, not as a, like to discredit his ideas, no, but yeah. more like mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, I, I am, I suppose, fairly particular about the, the lyrics and how it fits with the song, especially as I'm playing and singing at the same time to make sure that all kind of, you know, locks in together. Mm -hmm. but, it's yeah. more about like the way the words fit, not necessarily what we were trying to say. Like mm -hmm. that was already a given, but um, he'd be like, he wanted a certain amount of syllables, a certain word shape. I mean, it's very meticulous and insane. There's like a whole Rami science that goes into it. I wouldn't recommend trying to collaborate on it <laughs> with him. And, um, <laughs> But uh, we had, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> I think I threw a chair across the room over here at one point, and you stormed out. But um, we we have some spirited writing sessions. I actually don't even I don't like writing lyrics. It's very hard. It's like writing guitar parts and like the music. I love that part. That part's not only fun. Yeah. It's not only e easier. Not to say it's easy, but like it's very intuitive for me. Writing lyrics is very very difficult because I it to me it just has to be right but i never know what, how is it right when is it right so it's like a i'm always it's like searching like a needle in a haystack with no flashlight known so i'm just like constantly searching occasionally like mr hurtado there would be something that's kind of comes together most of the time it doesn't i have to like really work on it and do it over and over and over and and i'll come back to the song and then re-sing it to myself and just go mm -hmm. ah that word doesn't work and i have to really like the process is very tedious, but I also recognize that in terms of like growth and exploration, just musically, I, I feel like it's a, a really healthy challenge to take that on and to kind of own that process. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, like John said, sometimes I just need to do it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because for lyrics, I think it's hard when you have two different brains about it. Like you have your idea. I don't know. I, I think it's... I'm trying to write lyrics too these days, and I don't know. I feel I feel like everything I write is shallow compared to what I really have in my mind. Plus, sure. I I try to write in English, and I'm French. I'm French Canadian, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. I think there's there's times like another good example or laundry basket like those lyrics because i was genuinely pissed yeah. off about it so it was like easier to write just making sure it all fits and all that stuff but then there's other songs like i think uh like right and wrong i like i don't even know what that song's about it's kind of <laughs> just free flow subconscious writing and so there's times like because there's times where i write with intention where it's this song is about this 
and this is the message of the song. Then there's songs where we just write, <laughs> write the music and write the the lyrics and kind of decide like, okay, these are the lyrics, but what does it mean? I I don't know. And mm-hmm. there's there's times where it's just like it it means whatever you need it to mean for your for the listener. Yeah, exactly. And John, what did you want to write about on this album? Some to- well, we did, specific um, topics or uh, we used to as a good example because I. I had like a little melody and some chords and um actually when i thought of that i was in new york and i wasn't even thinking it would be for cigar it was just that melody and then i'm like actually what about this i showed rami is like oh that's cool and i was holding the guitar for a change and we just started working on it but those lyrics were really personal because we're saying um we're, we're now in our late 40s and um looking back at eras in our lives that we used to look ahead towards like we used to look forward to the time when you know these different things might happen in your life and then you're older and you end up looking back more when you're older and when you're younger you have get to look forward it's this interesting shift when you get older and you're like well shit i'm looking back more than forward now it's kind of depressing but it's also kind of cool if you're you get cool with it you know yeah the songs it actually helps to when you sing it it's kind of cathartic it makes you feel better about it you know but mm-hmm. um but yeah we just kind of collaborated on those words because mm-hmm. it's it's the truth we're just saying how we feel in the moment and it's kind of we're also saying that southern Cali- california like for a lot of people they look at southern california as this opportunity whether it's um for this kind of fast skate punk or you want to call it or um, acting careers or getting into show business or whatever is like this promise. And um, I was telling Rami that I had seen um, Ryan Gosling talking about it in a documentary and he worded it in an interesting way. I don't remember exactly how, but um, he was basically saying, you don't know if it's a um, premonition or if it's just a, do you remember Rami? Yeah, I remember he used the word delusion, and that's why <laughs> right. that's the why the word delusion is in the song is specifically yeah. taken nice. out of that Ryan Gosling interview, and and it was like it was the same kind of theme, same message, and it was just like oh that like he said it so well, like we'll we'll borrow that for the song. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that song's about all that, and it, it was cool for us to kick off a new era of writing too in that way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then Rami, at one point we, um, here in this room is where we did a lot of the, um, he write a lot of ideas and bring them to me. And then here in my garage out here in uh, the desert, in Mojave desert, um, we try them out and then kind of like try new things and arrange them together. And, and then we put the lyrics up on the TV screen, you know, by screen share. And then oh, he yeah. starts sharing all the lyrical ideas and then I would throw in ideas and then he'd veto most of them, but some of them would make it past the goalie. And then we'd be like, all right, it all, he likes it all to fit in a certain way. So I'm like, okay, this is going to go a lot smoother if I just go with that. Like this is, these are the parameters we're working within. So try and get them through this little contraption here. And then Rami will be stoked. And we did it. Yeah. Here we are talking to you. Oh, we'll yeah. see. We'll I'm see happy. if the, the third album, the writing process shifts. Maybe I can let go of some of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> and to credit uh, Hishke, he just came out of nowhere, the new bass player. I yeah. mean, 
I've, I've had him in other projects. I had this kind of sort of mathy, weird, poppy thing I did with him called Evie Kane. And it's more of a police ripoff and odd time signatures. Uh, we're just a trio. And um, we played a lot together. And when Jason and I had a serious talk, you know, Torbert from Speedus Relative, about whether he can pull this stuff off because Rami and I were starting to make bigger and bigger plans about going to Europe. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, yeah, I want to do it. Let's do it. And then Jason was like, he has two kids and he's wrapped up pretty tight in his life right now. And so we had to make that kind of hard decision. We didn't kick him out. He just said, maybe I better step down and get out of the way so you can pull off all these goals that I clearly can't do. So, um, so we call it Hishki. Cause I already had him in multiple bands. The shins have borrowed him. He used to play in broken bells like me with uh, danger mouse and the singer of shins. So he's like, and he also played hella, all these like crazy math rock bands and art. Weird. He's a weirdo and he never played this kind of fast shit. <laughs> and um, we got him in the studio and he was just like throwing down some ideas. He'd come up with right before he got, he had no warning. He figured out a couple parts to a couple songs it's like, I was thinking this. And he just do like, this crazy shit. And we we're like, damn, okay. dude. Let's do it. And I, yeah. yeah. And he, and he, um, he really wanted to give a nod to Jason for setting up the feel of the band. You know, mm-hmm. it's played with fingers. It's, it's, it's more proggy coming from those two mm-hmm. from Torbert and uh, Hishki. They don't have this uh, like punk rock and hardcore skating thing that Rami and I grew up with, you know, so their approach to it was totally different, but they have a lot of respect for each other. So I think Jason sure. was happy that I said, I, we were, we're going to ask Hishki to jump in. He's like, that's cool. Yeah. And Hishki's always like, man, Jason rules. Like that shit's crazy. So they have a lot of mutual respect. Oh, and then, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we got Hishki in and he was like doing all this insane shit. And then we go to the really simple thing that most punk rock kids learn early on that do the fast two count. You know that thing? Um, we're like, well, you know, it's kind of like you just go do, 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 do. And he's like, and he's trying to go like everything my foot's doing, like with his fingers. They're like, dude, you don't have to do that much. Seriously. It's just like on the straightaways, the cruising spots at two thirty or whatever BPMs we ridiculously. Yeah. It's more like a do, do. And he's like getting a little bit annoyed, like, we're like, yeah, that's it. That's it. And then he's like, okay. And then when he did it, it just Got went it. boom and locked together. We're like, that's it. But he does still does it his way. He'll do that. But then um he starts to pick up on what my bass room's doing and he'll be like, do 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 He's just they used to call him double fingers. Did you know that, Romy? No. There's a photo of him somewhere with a head, no head on the bass. Like, what do you call those? A headless bass? Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those silly little um red ones, you know. Yeah, it's one of those, and he's holding it up. He's got some like, he's got this like red mask on, and like his little mustache. It's all devil fingers. <laughs> anyway, he's a shredder. We love him so much fun. Yeah, and okay, so when I heard that you'd be on Fat Records, I was like, "Are you kidding me? What?" Because, like, I didn't know that Fat Records would have like skate punk bands again so how did you end up releasing the album on fat rec it's like yeah you know i i i think we were pretty surprised that they were wanting to put the 
something that was in the skate punk genre out. But I, I went with a friend of mine that he'd, he's worked for a lot of bands like uh, Pennywise and NoFX mm-hmm. and Lagwagon. He was a tour manager, Carlos. He's been been around for a long time. And so it was a couple summers ago. He said, yeah, let's go ride motorcycles uh, over to this Airbnb. Fat Mike is just hanging out in Portland with his girlfriend. And it's just like a low key. So we, we rode motorcycles over there and it was his girlfriend had probably like six friends, seven friends or whatever. And so Fat Mike was just by himself. And so we were just like his friends that came to this barbecue. And so we hung out uh. pretty much for like eight hours and we just kind of hit it off and then i ended up sending him the album just showing it to him and then i got an email back saying yeah i kind of like your band let's talk and so it just went from there so it was like there's no grand plan it was almost like this this you know lucky circumstance and just the right place the right time and obviously with the you know the right kind of mindset with this this legend in the punk scene so it worked out for us yeah i'm happy he's still I mean, I think he he's been doing that anyway, but he still uh, take decisions with his feelings a lot. But I'm happy oh, yeah, that yeah. this time it's for skate punk, yeah, like he's, melodic, he's fast a, skate like, Just like Fletcher, he's like one of those <laughs> yeah. guys that just like punk for life. Like they still love punk rock yep. and just genuinely have a passion for the music and and giving back to the scene and, and mm-hmm. sharing it. Because like, you know, they, they put out music that they love. They and... And so it was really honored, on, an honor for us to be like mm-hmm. part of the Fat family and just recognize that someone like that we've looked up to for so long is just, you know, likes what we're doing. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah, a lot. I mean, we we have great uh, smaller label, very into skate punk. It, it's great, but I, also I think it's good because it's my favorite kind of punk rock. It's not a secret. So I'm happy that bigger labels are into this again too. Yeah, and, and we were we were gonna release on People of Punk Rock because mm-hmm. Anthony had been. Yeah. I didn't even know that he had booked Cigar in one of our first tours back in I think 2001 or back in he he was the promoter at, for one of our shows. He, I didn't even know that, and he told me right when he told me that I was like, oh, this guy has been supporting Cigar for yeah, a he, long time. He's my good friend. He's, he's doing so much for the scene. It's crazy. It's it's insane. Yeah, exactly. He's just like another one of those guys that's just like has mm-hmm. a genuine love of the music, and he really wants to help <laughs> bands. And so. Yeah. Once Fat Mike said he was interested in releasing the album, I, I had to tell Anthony. But and I, when I told him, he he said, "This is what I want for the bands. I want them to get yeah. the exposure to to keep going and to progress." Exactly. Yeah. So and he's a he's a very genuine guy. I I like that guy a lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's I'm not surprised he told you that. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. So but it's it's great news. Um, so, and maybe there's still hope for other bands too, that maybe they could, because back in the days, like you, you could dream of being on fat records, but I feel like in the past year, a lot of bands just gave up on that, but then maybe it's still possible again. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, for us, when we were writing this new album, we, there was an element of like, maybe, but at the same time, we were sort of, we were writing the album for ourselves, Mm -hmm. just, you know, to achieve our, our musical goals. And at a certain point, we thought, even if we self-release it, like, we're still Mm -hmm. doing this for ourselves, just to 
to commit to it. So we had also kind of let go in True. that sense. Like it will, it'll come out however it comes out. And I don't know if that had any influence, but just the way it worked to end up on Fat Records, mm-hmm. that was definitely a dream come true. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> what is I, that from? What movie is that? Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, yeah. We did. We made the record. Rami and I produced it ourselves. We got Darian involved with uh, the Dead Speed as relative. He engineered it. Mm-hmm. And he is a badass. He's he's just as crazy as we are, or maybe worse. And so we make a really good team. And um, it was really great to be with him again because he he's one that like brought Speed as relative to life. You know, I mean, Fletcher was the producer, but Darren was the uh, engineer. And so, yeah, we had the whole album done. And then Mike just wanted us to tweak one small thing. And then then it was good to go. (coughs) So So great. And I have a a last question from a listener. I love this one. So Pierre-Luc wants to know if... Um, okay, we will have the chance to hear the song Killing Time live eventually. <laughs> have you ever played it? I didn't know this song. I didn't know it existed. You, you know what the issue with that one was? Uh, we wrote that one 800 years ago, the music, and then my girlfriend at the time, we were living together in Eugene, and her brother lived with us for a short bit. And that was like a poem that he wrote. And we don't usually ever borrow lyrics from anyone, but we were still shaping our sound and we're like, oh, let's try it to this riff. And we did and it worked. But shortly after, it just didn't feel like us anymore because it wasn't from us lyrically. Right, Rami? I mean, yeah, yeah, there's like a, a just a disconnect. We were recording the song at the, in the Speed's Relative sessions. And I remember while we were recording it, there was this kind of sense of like this isn't really who we are like when we were playing the song writing the song at the time like john said we were figuring out the the vibe of the Uh... band and putting it all together and then once we recorded it it was like i don't know if this actually fits with who we are and what we're and there's definitely an element of these aren't my lyrics not to say they're bad lyrics but just i didn't connect with the lyrics Mm -hmm, at a certain point and so and we basically we basically retired the song after that Oh, okay. But I thought it was a great question. I absolutely didn't know about it. So I was like, what? <laughs> I think Jones has something to do with that one too, right? And he's, he hasn't been in the band for 800 years either. Hmm. Yeah, and, and we, did, we had another guitar player for at the, the really early days. And so there's definitely a lot of changed. So, I mean, at, at this point, instead of playing that song i would just want you know play all the songs on the visitor and then even there's other songs that we have that yeah. are most likely going to be on an upcoming release so i think we would just be looking forward to more sure. stuff rather than digging it i mean with that said there's there's a couple older ideas that john had written and there's another song that we mm-hmm. like turnpike that we'd written where it's like we could revive these older songs but those are our songs and our lyrics or some of the songs don't even mm-hmm. have lyrics yet so I think it would have a different feeling, but I don't, maybe we'll to... play it one day at that one place in the future. <laughs> What's his name? Jean Luc? Jean Luc. The writer. Who was the writer that asked about it? Oh, Pierre Luc. Pierre Luc. Pierre Luc. Pierre Luc. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, buddy. we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I understand. Good. Thank you, guys. It was fantastic conversation. Uh, any other projects before? We let you uh, do your 
the rest of your day? Any other projects like music videos or We're going to bust out more videos. We got one almost done and there'll be more to come. Just going to keep busting out videos. Mm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then we also have some other song ideas. I think that we're going to start that process. It does take us some time, just the, the process that we have and the mm. fact that we live so far apart. But I think that we've, we've yeah. already gotten a few songs that are just the, the wheels are starting to turn. So I think we're looking at writing the next release. Yeah. We have a lot of material that's like hot. I mean, like ready to be worked on and yeah. cooked up. Great news. And I can't wait to see you at the Red Bridge. It's going to be fun. Really excited about that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, we love yeah. that one. The first first time we went there, that was so fun. It's another one. Again, look, the, we, they take care of us so nicely. They're, and they're big, huge cabins. And <laughs> amazing cabins. Oh, I love the cabins. There. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fun. So great. We're going to play with 30 Foot Fall. We played with them before we ever met Fletcher. We met Fletcher because of 30 Foot Fall. Yeah. Because they recommended us to Peerless. You already said that? Yeah, amazing. I told the story before you. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Stoked to see those guys again. Yeah. And they just came out and saw the shins in um, Dallas and I hung out with the singer and the bass player. Great nice. dudes. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much for being my guest today. So the episode. Thank you. The episode will be released on Monday. Uh, okay. Do you think I can play a song from Speedy's Relative and another um, from The Visitor? Or should I ask Melanie Please. K? From Fat Wreck Canada, if I'm allowed to. Oh, I'm sure you're allowed to. I think I, think I, I, think I am. <laughs> yeah. Good. Seems like they really get behind this sort of thing. But uh, yeah. who knows if the algorithm will interfere. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah, why not? Good. Yeah, so I'll I'll, go, please. Have a great night. Uh, for you, it's like five, so almost dinner... Almost dinner time. Have a great birthday dinner, Rami. Thank you. Thank fun. you very much. Is so, it your birthday right now, Rami? Yesterday was. You son of a bitch. Ah! It's December. Oh, my God. Is his birthday yesterday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy birthday, buddy. Earlier, you said that well, we were in our late 40s, and I was like, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> almost, oh, shit. I almost <laughs> said, wow. like, Rami's not in his 40 anymore. <laughs> he can't claim pre Look how hot he is, man. Woo! <laughs> You're giving the rest of us hope. Great. <laughs> right. Holy great, shit. All have right. a great Friday, my friends, and see you in June. Merci okay. beaucoup. Merci. Bonne nuit. Bye. Bonne nuit. Achanti. J'aime la poutine. Wow. J'aime right. la poutine aussi. Bye. <laughs> Recording stopped. We used to look ahead to times that we're now looking back on all the moments started on the map. Southern California.
so my friends thank you for listening i appreciate so much next week my guest is m more of the legendary website punknews.org she's a writer a podcaster she's so passionate about music so i absolutely wanted to have her for a special repunkmentations i also want to thank epicmerchstore.com for being our sponsor today thank you to scott alquist for the edit and the co-production thank you to caroline morin for the visual to jean-philippe alain for the great intro and outro music i need your help so if you want to help me and support my work you can subscribe to your favorite platform and can also share the episodes on your social medias this is so 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 helpful for me you can rate some stars like five for example on iTunes and Spotify and if you want to help financially you can subscribe to the Patreon page you can make a donation through PayPal or buy me a coffee all the links are in the show notes I can't wait to be back next week but until then punk your life love you bye bye